Hey everybody, I'm Dan Kurtzy, and we're about to continue our existential romp through Green Lantern Mosaic, the Jon Stewart solo series from the 90s, 1992, July 92 to be exact. Um, before that, before we get into it, I just want to point out, because I don't think I did this last time, I think we jumped right in last time, uh, the creative team on this issue and on the series in general is Gerard Jones, writer. You know, he was also doing the regular Green Lantern book, starring Hal Jordan and company. Um, Cully Hamner is the penciler. And Dan, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, <laughs> Panosian, Panosian? There's probably, uh, I don't know, P-A-N-O-S-I-A-N. He's the anchor. And I'm not going to be bringing up the credits very much, just because... I guess one of the benefits of the series being so short, there's only 18 issues, is that this is the exact creative team for the entire thing, which which should actually lend itself to being a more cohesive, flowing series. You know, it's, it's, it's literally this limited group of people getting to tell their story. Um, you know, let's hope it works out that way in the end, what with, you know... Sometimes books get cancelled out from under you, but I feel like that's not going to happen here. I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just guessing. But it feels like this is the kind of book where, where that wouldn't be an issue. Actually, I would, <laughs> I would have to think that being canceled randomly might even make sense for a book like this in a storytelling format. But, um, I'm getting ahead of myself again. This, it's your mind goes everywhere when we <laughs> try and talk about Green Lantern Mosaic. Um, alright, so where to start? Well, this, this is number two. It's it's actually not as weird <laughs> as number one was. It's not as out there. It's I almost want to call it a more a more normal or more basic kind of issue, but I feel like trying to qualify it like that makes it sound negative, but it's not. You know, it's it was a, it was kind of a sharp turnaround from issue one, but this is it's, it's more straightforward. How about that? We'll we'll say that. Um, God, it's so weird. <laughs> this, this is seriously the kind of book where you can't just simply start page one and talk about it straight through. It's like, it's like there's layers and there's different themes that stick out more than the others. Um, you know, I'm just gonna start with the thing that stuck out the most to me, and that is in my my initial, you know, get you caught up episode. My my history was actually kind of wrong. You know, at one point, John in here is playing exposition fairy to a couple other characters who need to get caught up on what's been going on over the last year or so, and he tells them, you know, when the Guardians left the the universe, when they left our reality, they left the Green Lantern Corps to fend for itself. While they were on their own, they all elected to kill Sinestro, which, oh, okay, that, make, that makes sense. <laughs> um, he ended up in the battery, and they had to try and destroy him again, but that also destroyed the battery, which in turn destroyed most of the Green Lantern rings. That's why we only have a handful of Green Lanterns out there right now. 
and that's why the battery was dead for a long time. The way I remembered it was that, you know, the Guardians disbanded the the core and turned the battery off when they left. You know, chalk that up to equal parts of my own terrible memory and the sheer number of times DC has torn down and rebuilt the Green Lantern core. <laughs> um... Uh, that's a good place to start. Who is John talking to? Who needs to know all this stuff? It is one of... Yeah, I think it's fair to say one of my favorite alien Green Lanterns. Chip, the anthropomorphic, sometimes overly cartoony squirrel who's a member of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, He makes makes his presence felt in this issue in a big way. Um, After all that badness I just talked about went down, you you know, Chip decided to go back and you know, just join up with his people again. Live the squirrely life in his tree house, which is, he really does, he lives in a tree. It doesn't look like a tree house, like your kids play in, it was, it's a tree. It's great. And, you know, Salak is with him. At, so, you know, Salak is one of the lanterns who lost his ring, and he kind of lost his purpose in life with it. So, he, so, you know, he's all depressed, he's moping, he he doesn't know what to do with himself, I don't think he even cares anymore. It's just, it's very... He's very woe is me and depressed. And, and Chip decided, you know, I'll take you in. You can come stay stay on my planet. <laughs> you know, pull up a pull up a tree, stay a while. It'll be fine. Which is all well and good. But then Chip, you know, Chip's a squirrel. His old planet is squirrels, so they hibernate. So for about half a year, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny and it's sad. So for like half a year, Chip and his people were asleep for the winter. Al Salik is still awake. He's just kind of sitting in the snow under a tree, just being sad. It's so awful. Um, I can laugh about it because I know he's he's like gets better later. You know, he's today he's fine. He's he's cool. He has a desk job. He loves it. Probably has great benefits. Um, and you know, Chip wakes up from his hibernation and he just yeah you know, he's he's been having weird dreams. He can't seem to to get back into the groove of just being a regular squirrel, you know, regular for his planet. It's it's the kind of thing, like, once you've been a Green Lantern and you've you've had the ability to just see and do anything you want just by wanting it badly enough, you can't go, you can't go back, you know? That's, that's amazing, and you can't settle for mediocrity anymore. So he charges his ring, and it still works. Can't believe it. It still works, you know, because again, they the battery got refilled and everything while he was hibernating. So he grabs Salak and goes to Oa because both these guys they're curious as all hell as to why you know, they weren't recalled. You know, I mean, if if the rings are functioning again, why didn't why wasn't Chip summoned and why wasn't Salak issued a new ring? So they're gonna go to Oa. They're gonna figure this out. Meanwhile, John Stewart's having all sorts of nightmares about about his road. He built this road. I think I I really should re-listen to the last one before I do these. But he he built this road to try and link together all the mosaic cities. Cuz in this situation it's really easy for every group of aliens, every cluster to become isolationists. You know, they just stay with their own, don't interact with the others. And that fosters a lot of fear and hatred and you need to break that down. You need to get these people and things used to each other. So John's been building and maintaining this this gigantic road that he hopes will help turn the mosaic into more of a community. 
And, but something has been attacking and destroying the road in chunks, you know. And whatever it is, it knows John's movements. It knows when he patrols, how he patrols. It knows exactly where and when to strike. Cause it's a, it, and it's generally when he's asleep, you know. Cause, you know and this happens night after night after night. And it's pissing John off because he's trying his damnedest to make sure this road stays in one piece, but something keeps breaking it up. And that's also a big point for him. He doesn't have the slightest idea who could be doing this. Because he knows all the races on the Mosaic. And none of them should really be capable of doing the kind of collateral damage that's being done to the road in such a short period of time. Uh, so once Chip and Salak arrive on Oa, they hook up with John immediately. And, and John realizes that, you know what? Chip's here. There's two of us now. I can... You know, Salak, he can hang out and be sad, that's fine. You know, just watch some TV, whatever. But Chip, Chip's a Green Lantern, he has a working ring. Between the two of them, they should be able to catch whoever this... this... jerk is. John can only be there watching the road half the time, and it gets... it gets... demolished the other half, so, you know, put Chip there the other half. It makes sense. It works. It should work. So... <laughs> so John brings Chip to the road, and and tells him what's up, and then leaves him. Because they've got the element of surprise on their side, because whoever it is that's sabotaging the road night after night doesn't know Chip is there yet. So if they're watching John, they'll see John, you know, go home, fly into his citadel for the night, and then they'll act, but they won't know Chip's waiting for them. So they got a good plan going. They got a good plan. And Chip's, Chip's just kind of zipping around the road, checking things out, when there's an explosion a ways away, and... And you know, it's it's happening. It's happening right now. Whoever this mystery bad guy is is in the act. So Chip zips over and is immediately shot out of the sky. And <laughs> he's a squirrel. He's pretty light. It can't take much to knock him over. Um, and we get to see our first real glimpse of this alien creature that's been doing all this damage. And it is. Uh, it's hard to say how big he. How big he is because he's only seen relative to Chip. I'll 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 say he's larger than a human, but smaller than Kilowog. If that gives you a good size range, uh, looks humanoid. No real distinct features. It's it's like it looks like it was it's made out of like pinkish reddish energy. Not so much a construct, but it's, it's almost like like if something was invisible. And its negative space was filled in with just just solid red. That kind of thing. Yeah. I'm doing a terrible job. Maybe I'll put a scan up in the talkback thread for this. But Chip, you know, he gets knocked to the ground and he realizes, you know, this is you know, this is his chance. This is his chance to be a Green Lantern again, to prove himself, to retake retake what was his. And there's just this scene where he's geared up to shoot. And the look on his face, you, oh my, this is the most badass. You do not fuck with this squirrel, alright? You do not fuck with this squirrel. He hauls off, gives it his all, and just shoots this thing square in the heart. Or heart-like area. I, it, aliens, maybe their hearts are in their knees, I have no idea. But he just shoots this thing, and he just tries harder and harder, and the, the creature's laughing. And then it disappears. I, I want to describe this because I feel like it's going to be important later when we figure out what the hell's going on. So you got this this big red energy looking creature, right? Chip is shooting it, 
he's focusing on his willpower. He keeps saying, my will, my will, my will, because he's, he's trying to, to do the best he can. You know, as the beam is hitting this creature, the creature turns green itself. And then the next panel, it's literally standing beside itself with a green version and a red version. They're, they're kind of either merging or separating at the, the limbs. And, like, like <laughs> their arms and legs are joined, but they're, like, next to each other, phasing out of each other or whatever. There's swirling yellow energy around them. That might just be a lighting effect. I don't know. They're laughing maniacally. Then they just fade away into, like, into this green ball that's glowing with a red glowing aura around it. It's it's bizarre. And Chip's just looking at it like, what the fuck did I just see? <laughs> so Chip, thinking this is weird as hell, calls John. And, you know, John shows up. He wants to know, like, you know, what the hell happened? Where, why, why is there this big hole in the road? What did Chip see? Did you see it? And Chip, he's, like, trying to process what he saw. He's like... You know, he's he's about to say, you know, I saw... But then he... This is something I'm going to have to come back to, because he looks like he realizes something. He's like, I saw... Oh. And then he's interrupted by John, who's just getting madder and madder and madder. He's demanding more and more intensely, you know, what did you see? What did Chip see? Tell me. What did you see? Not letting Chip get a word in edgewise. And the coloring on the panel... Every time you flash back to John, his face is more and more red. Until Chip, and Chip, he looks like he looks almost sad, like he doesn't want to break the news to John. You know, oh, like, I, I, at this point, I'm clearly thinking like this is this is like the evil demons of John Stewart that's coming out, maybe through his ring, maybe not through his ring. I, but I don't, I don't know, because issue one had that thing where like some sort of energy creature seemed to go into him. So what? I don't know. Whatever. But before Chip can finish a coherent sentence, we get something infamous in Green Lantern history that I did not expect to find in Green Lantern Mosaic in general, or even just such an early issue of Green Lantern Mosaic. And that is the death of Chip. That's right. This is the issue where Chip dies. And yes, he gets hit by a space truck. That's aw- <laughs> that's awful. Because <laughs> um, you know they're on the road that John built, right? And and John explained to Chip earlier how you know what you know. How are you going to take the mosaic cities and make them make them interact with each other? Because it's one thing to build a road, but that just because there's a road there doesn't mean everybody's going to use it. So John has the plan that you know while we have this road that's connecting all of the cities, all of the cultures, let's create a consumption-based network of communities. You know, every one of these cities needs stuff just basic stuff to survive and not every one of them can possibly generate all of it themselves so you know let's set it up where you know every city can be importing and exporting important things to and from all the other cities that everybody needs and that'll create like uh, i think he even goes so far as to call it uh uh, a web of economic interdependence just like the web that spreads over the earth and I almost don't even want to get started with all the the inferences and connotations you can make to 
to this one random American imposing capitalism across the stars. Um, but yeah, that's his plan, and he's, he's, it's starting to happen because there are supply trucks making runs, and they're doing it at night because some of the some of the the areas on the mosaic are are too intense during the day. I mean, the the hypnotoads, I forgot their real name, the steam frogs, are the steam frogs of Glabu, I think that was their plan. What the hypnotoads? Their area has like lots and lots of intensely just scald your face off steam. But at night, it's a lot more subdued, so that's when they make their runs. Okay. So John and Chip are having their their uh, kind of angry chat in the middle of the road, and all of a sudden, this big truck, this big yellow truck, which, why the hell aren't those illegal on the mosaic? God damn it. This big yellow truck just comes, just comes straight at them. And John yells, Chip, get out of the road, get out of the road, and Chip runs. But, you know, the the road curves around to the left, and Chip chose to run to the left, so he's still in the, the path of the truck. And John's yelling, no, not, not that way. Not... And then there's the saddest, funniest sound effect they could have possibly put in here. A big red splat as off-panel Chip got hit by the truck. And it's so it's it's almost funny because the the one panel, John's yelling, No, not that and his face is serious and angry. But then the next panel it's the same shot, but his his head is pulled back. Like he and his eyes are wide and his his whole facial expression changed at what he just saw and the splat sound effect. It's it, it's it's serious and cartoony at the same time, which is a good description of chip himself i think he's this he's this adorable little creature that makes more sense in a bugs bunny cartoon than in a green lantern comic but we accept him and he's just awesome and then you turn the page and there he is lying there in a in a little little pool of his own blood and his with his dying breath he tells john what he saw but all he can say is something red and John Stewart promptly freaks out, and for what I think is the first time in this issue, he goes back to what he did all in issue one and breaks the fourth wall, yelling to the reader about looking at and yelling to the reader about how death keeps following him wherever he goes. Because remember, John Stewart at this time is just he has a lot of issues with the death of his wife Kat Matui and the destruction of the plant Zanshi, which he, I won't say facilitated, but he, he impeded efforts to, to prevent it, we'll say that. Um, and he's yelling at the reader, demanding, you know, tell me what you know. What do you know? Because we saw stuff that he didn't. And I guess he knows. But, but oh man. So again, I knew Chip died. I knew he got hit by a truck in space. I just didn't know it was here. And in the and, and that's another thing. Okay, I can accept just about everything about Chip's death. You know, but there were so many ways he could have not died. Like, like okay, he had enough time. Like the truck was barreling down on him. Chip had enough time to run away 
and John had enough time to say five complete sentences to him, and both of them were wearing functioning, charged power rings. Okay, Chip could have flown in any direction whatsoever. Like he could have flown straight ahead and outrun the truck. He could have flown straight up or to the side or, or or hell, just put up an energy field around you so the truck will hit you and it won't do shit. <laughs> that was the exact tactic that helped him when he got shot by the tremendous energy blast from the giant red thing like three pages ago. It's like, uh, God, poor Chip, poor Chip, such a needless death. I think that's pretty much it for the issue. I mean, what's What's cool is, like, before Chip encounters that, that creature, that energy thing that's, that's been messing with John, it's, it's really interesting, because we get to see Chip just flying around for, for a page or so, and his take on the mosaic just kind of reinforces its wonder, you know, he's, he describes it as, like, it's almost like the entire universe condensed down into one planet, now, how there's a lifetime worth of discovery every ten feet. And it's, it's cool, because like, you really don't see much of the mosaic itself in this issue. It's mostly just the road, this issue. And they were able to help reinforce what the, the grandeur of the mosaic without showing it to you at all. And that's just, that's just really well done storytelling. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm going to miss Chip. I really wish he would have hung around in this in this series, you know, be part of the main supporting cast or something, you know. And what's weird, like, this is a death that sticks. Just last year, they did Blackest Night, and Chip came back as a Black Lantern, so he's still, to this day, dead. Um, I want to point out the letters page in this one. Uh, there was a kind of stand-in letters page in issue one, where, you know, it's issue one, so they can't have letters about anything, so it was just an entire page of Gerard Jones' waxing philosophically about what mosaic is and this one is kind of the same thing um they by issue three by next issue there should be some letters from fans which i am very very interested to see what people thought at the time about issue one of this book this is insane uh but (laughs) this one there's there's one column where he just talks in general about squirrels, which, you know, is always welcome as far as I'm concerned. But beyond that, he starts talking about the series Bible he wrote for Green Lantern Mosaic, and you get the impression that it's this this frantic, frenzied, just unorganized, just phone book-sized collection of papers, where he just scribbled down everything that he thought made sense because it didn't make sense. I mean, there's even a part in here where he says, uh, where is it? He said, uh, when I'm trying to write a Green Lantern story and suddenly none of the material makes any sense to me, I'll write Mosaic. Not to say that Mosaic doesn't make sense, it makes perfect sense on Mosaic. That's why Chip is here. Chip made sense to me only here. Same with Salak. That's why he'll be coming back, but only here for now. And that's interesting to think about, because if you use Chip as an example, you know, Chip is to the Green Lantern Corps what the mosaic is to Green Lantern comics. It, it kind of makes sense, because Chip doesn't really fit in. Like, like with, with the Green Lantern Corps, you can 
kind of accept almost anything because the universe is just that big that if you pull someone from everywhere, you're bound to wind up with some really just odd stuff. You know, like a like a cartoon squirrel, you know? But at the same time, he's a cartoon squirrel. So how the hell does that gel with a realistic-ish universe? And that's kind of the same, like, like Green Lantern Mosaic does not gel with the other Green Lantern book in pretty much any way. It doesn't gel with any other superhero book in any way, really. I mean, the powers and the costumes are there, some of the other concepts and conceits are there, but it's it's this oddball thing that's off to the side that that, you know, even though it's there on the shelf with all the other new comics that week, it doesn't really belong, you know? Which, which, which reinforces to me that Chip needs to be in this book more, but he's not going to because he's dead forever. Uh, something I thought was really interesting, and to show you how kind of off the beaten path this book is, is right below that, he he says, you know, that's why Chip is here. Um, that's why Sinestro returns next issue. Or is it Sinestro? One can never be quite sure. In Green Lantern, it's important to be sure. Here you can't be. And here Sinestro returns. That's why Hal Jordan fights Jon Stewart here in three more issues. Just another hero-fighting-hero story, except it's here, on Mosaic. And that makes all the difference in the worlds, plural. Now that jumped out at me, because because in 1992... When the internet was not in full swing, like there was really, you you didn't know in advance that characters were returning from the dead or going to be killed or coming back. Like Chip's death hit everybody like a ton of bricks. Like there was no warning for this that I know of. There might have been something in the letters column or side what, but it was it's the point is it's not like today, where if you're gonna kill a character or bring back a character, there is no. You know, there's no Newsarama or CBR or Bleeding Cool or what to, to tell people about it in advance. It just happens, and you find out when you read it. So here they are announcing that. Oh yeah, by the way, next issue, yeah, Sinestro comes back. It's it's it, like blowing that surprise is something that nobody would do, and it fits with Mosaic. You know, it fits with this book with like the unorthodox off-to-the-side superhero comic book, kind of, in a sea of more conventional superhero comic books. Uh, the the one other thing that the letters column here does is that it actually answers one of the questions I had last time around, in that, you know, just how big is the mosaic? Because remember in that initial Green Lantern story, that four-parter, it seemed kind of small. So I assume there was only a few cities up there. But in issue one, it seemed like there were dozens. You know, I think I counted 20 or so. I forget. But here, Gerard Jones tells us that, you know, in his big stack of notes, that he created, or at least described or designed through text, over 40 different races for the mosaic. So that's 40 new alien races. He specifies new, which means, you know, there could still be more that we'd seen before. You know, obviously there are you can't humans we know um Tomar's people are there too but 40 civilizations 40 cities that's insane and, and yeah, I'm not going to read off the whole list that he provides here but my favorite <laughs> my favorite are the feel goods he describes them as 
little teddy bears who absorb the pain and trouble of other beings. That makes the other beings happy, and that makes the feel-goods happy. Too happy for John's comfort. <laughs> I just love that. I love that visual of, of, of John just standing next to this little teddy bear who's just busting with joy, and he's just looking at it, kind of like pissed off at it or something. Uh, I hope we get to see them. I wonder if they look like Ewoks. Alright, I've... Alright, this... This is done. This I thought this was going to be shorter, but this is done. But you know what? It's the chip death issue. He deserves... He deserves a longer episode. So, so that is Green Lantern Mosaic number two. And I'll be back next week with number three. Um, Alright, in the meantime, you want to contact me, you, you can leave a voicemail at 206 202 You can email me at dan at lanterncast.com or the lanterncast in general at lanterncast at gmail.com And I will talk to you guys later. Mm-hmm.